Hello, fellow movie fans. I'm Lily Percy, and I'll be your guide this week as we talk to David Green, co-host of NPR's Morning Edition and Up First, about Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Don't worry, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to fill you in on all the details so you won't be lost. And if you have seen this movie, welcome to an old friend. No one is more surprised than I am to still be discovering new things about the Star Wars universe. I first saw these movies as a kid, and they all kind of blend in together. I can't really tell the difference between Empire or Jedi, but I think the best way I would describe Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope is to say that it's the very beginning of the Luke, Leia, Han storyline. It's where we first meet Luke Skywalker, played by Mark Hamill, on his home planet of Tatooine, bored, really disenchanted, kind of annoying the hell out of his aunt and uncle. And he dreams of being a fighter pilot, exploring new universes and having all these great adventures that have nothing to do with his daily work as a farmer on his planet. It just isn't fair. Oh, Biggs is right. I'm never going to get out of here. Is there anything I might do to help? Oh, not unless you can alter time, speed up the harvest, or teleport me off this rock. I don't think so, sir. And that's also where we meet Princess Leia, played by Carrie Fisher. Leia's kind of like the Che Guevara of the Rebel Alliance. She's trying to inspire everyone to come together to destroy the Death Star, to destroy Darth Vader, who is the epitome of evil. Governor Tarkin, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Charming to the last. You don't know how hard I found it signing the order to terminate your life. I'm surprised you had the courage to take the responsibility yourself. And then there's Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford, someone who has been kind of described as the epitome of cool. And yet, when you watch him again and again in these movies, you realize he's really only in it for himself. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. You needn't worry about your reward. Money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive. Even though I grew up watching Star Wars, the thing that surprised me this time around watching it is how much the mood of the film still permeates every single scene. George Lucas introduces us to these worlds that I've never seen before and that no one had ever seen at the time that he released these movies and made these movies. And it really shapes the way that we as viewers meet these characters and feel the things that they're going through. We believe that we're in space with them, and that has so much to do with the music, with the setting. I mean, filming it in the locations that he filmed it in, you don't for a second feel like you're on a set or that there's a green screen behind any of the actors you really feel like you're in this completely different universe with them. I got him! Bring him! Don't get cocky! There's still two more of them out there! This sense of adventure in space is one of the reasons why David Green connected to it. You know, he's someone who loves adventure, and the same wanderlust that Luke Skywalker had in his heart is the thing that David Green grew up with as well. It's what he loved about Luke Skywalker and what he loved about Star Wars. So I, you're from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. which you're very, very proud of. Very and proud. Um, I thought we'd do a little experiment here. Uh-oh. Another uh, beloved... If you test me on my Pittsburgh knowledge and no, I fail, no. will, they will disown me and then I blame you. <laughs> no, no, no. You can blame me. Um, another beloved Pittsburghian? Pittsburgh, uh, yeah. Pittsburghian? Yinzer. Yinzer? Yinzer. Yinzer. If you're from Pittsburgh, you're a Yinzer. Okay, another beloved Yinzer yeah. is uh, Mr. Fred Rogers. Uh-huh. 
And he did this thing when he accepted his daytime Emmy. I don't know if you're familiar with what he did. So you're testing me now. No, I ran no, into I'm, not, Ro- I'm not I, testing. I ran into Mr. Rogers at a gas station once. What? And, yeah, but I don't know what he did when he accepted the Emmy. So okay. What he did was that he asked everyone in the room yeah. to close their eyes for 10 seconds okay. and to think of all the people that got them to where they were. Okay. So I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you to do that. You're not going to do that to me. Okay. No. Thank you. But I'm going to tell you to close your eyes uh-huh. and for 10 seconds to think about the first time that you saw Star Wars Episode Four okay. A New Hope. Okay. And how it made you feel and what you think about it when you think about that time in okay. those 10 seconds. So. Okay. So I don't say anything during these 10 seconds. <laughs> you can say like whatever silent. you want. <laughs> okay. I'm going to close my eyes now. Close your eyes. Close I'm looking. I'm I hear he's closing his eyes. Okay. It's actually happening. Okay. This is good. This is like. This is like yoga. I mean, this yeah. feels good. It's Mr. Rogers coming back to help us out. Yeah. I think I'm seeing Luke standing, gazing off into the sky and on Tatooine at sunset and just gazing up and, and wishing that he were somewhere other than there. It's a whole, whole exciting, dangerous galaxy and universe out there and he just wanted to be somewhere else and he felt it in Mm. his bones that he belonged out there on some adventure and that was just an unstoppable force 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 (laughs) an unstoppable force inside him and uh and he wasn't going to be restrained Mm. and and he was just going to be out there doing something I mean, looking back, it was it was a wanderlust that has always been inside me that I have come mm-hmm. to understand much more as I've been an adult and looking back in retrospect and, and realized that, that that was that was what was truly the connection. It's amazing that you saw that. And um, I think I mean, I, maybe most kids would feel this, but you saw that you identified that's what I want. I, I'm Luke. I feel like Luke, you know, and I'm. it's not that you were necessarily unhappy, but you just saw the all the kind of worlds that waited for you. Yeah, you it, it wasn't unhappy because I, I was yeah. really and I would play with, uh, you know, Star Wars action figures. My, my father actually remembered I, I called the Millennium Falcon the Lemony Falcon. And it was the first <laughs> model that I built with him. Aww. And I treasured it. Like yeah. we, we built that together. Mm. And I would just wander around like flying with it in yeah. my hands. Uh, That's amazing. And I had this uh, I had this light in my room that was Darth Vader's face. And his like triangular black okay, that's creepy. metallic nose was what you would turn on. And when the light was off, his eyes would glow like pinkish red. And I loved it. And I was always <laughs> it was always kind of exciting because this like, you know, evil Darth Vader was, was like sort say. of always there, this menacing presence. <laughs> and you were such a deep kid. You're like, I'm always aware of good and evil. Yeah. I don't me. think I analyze it at such a deep level <laughs> at that age. But yeah, but looking back, it was it was just it was just there and it was it, yeah. I, I knew that that was important to me. Yeah. So how has this movie changed for you as you've gotten older? Because you've you've kept watching it. You've traveled yourself through so many countries. What have you kind of learned through watching it over the years? A lot of the acting is terrible. That's true. I mean, especially no offense to Luke. No offense to Luke, but Mark Hamill is great guy. Also, when his his uncle and aunt die, he he shows no emotion. He shows a lot more emotion for like getting in a fight with Han. Yes. And for Obi Wan dying. I know he screams out, you know. Ben, and then I'm like, dude, you saw the fried, right. burnt corpses of your like on an uncle, and you were like, whoops, 
yep, guess I better leave. Sad, like he just like lower head. Yeah, and and Leia like comforting him like he was a child when yeah. after Obi Wan died. I was like, dude, yeah, I had the same reaction. <laughs> um, also, he's really whiny, David. He's so really whiny. whiny. No, Luke. he's so he's so whiny. <laughs> okay, so apart from all those things, what what have you still kind of gathered from each viewing? I you know it's changed. Um, I think, and, and again, this is getting away from Star Wars because now we know so much more yeah. about Darth Vader and, and Anakin Skywalker and everything yeah. from seeing all the other movies. But, you know, there's the world is not so black and white. I mean, the thing that sticks with me with Anakin Skywalker is that, as we now know, like, he was so close to being good. It's not like you are born evil. No. Um, but once you get angry... You know, once you are driven into a dark place, yeah. you know, I think it can be hard to turn back. Mm. And, you know, I think about even, you know, the, the world today and, um, you know, I, I think about, I mean, this is getting really deep, Lily, I'm sorry. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I go back to like reading about how people were drawn into, you know, Nazism and the Holocaust. Yeah. Good people who were mm-hmm. families who, you know, loved their neighbors and then were suddenly for one reason or another yeah. just taken by a movement and yeah. made to feel angry and mm-hmm. made to feel like they had to, to do something terrible to protect themselves. Once you go down that road, I mean, it's you can do vicious, vicious things. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes, or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. And Darth Vader, like, it really represented that to me because we saw since then in the movies that have come out since how close he was to being good. Yeah. Uh, And that's that you don't exactly see when you're eight or nine years old thinking about these movies. Uh, But it really, a lot of the questions like that, you know, have sustained over the years to me. And and it's a testament, I think, to to George Lucas and maybe even people like Mark Hamill and and Harrison Ford and... (laughs) No, you're so right. I was rewatching the film yesterday and um, that really struck me. I mean, first of all, the idea that this force is within all of us, it's everywhere, it connects us to one another, but that you can very easily be Darth Vader Mm -hmm. or you can be Luke Skywalker. You know, you can go either one. There's a thin line in between. It's a thin line and it's it's not as far away from you as you think. It's always living within you. And that's such a strong message to convey because it allows us to have empathy for people who you would never think you would. Who right? seem on their face evil. I know. It's also a scary thing to grapple with as a kid. It's kind of nice. He put it in our minds so that we could digest it over 30 years yeah, no, <laughs> and eventually I, get there. Yes, that would have been too complicated. I, <laughs> I just wanted to be scared of Darth Vader when I was a little kid and, and think that he was terrible and evil. Yeah. So I'm so fascinated by uh, something that you mentioned when you first said that you were going to pick this movie. You talked about the wanderlust. Mm-hmm. You know, you also talked about how it allowed you to really see powerful women and respect powerful women. And I wonder if you can just tell me a little bit about that. I mean, you were raised by a single mom. Yep. So clearly this powerful woman was always part of your life. But yep. what did you see in Star Wars that kind of reinforced that? I mean, from the moment that Princess Leia confronted Darth Vader on that ship, she showed not an ounce of fear. Her face is just Her face, stone. it is stoic. It is like only you would be so bold. 
Darth Vader. If only you could be so bold. The Imperial Senate will not sit still for this. When they hear you've attacked a diplomatic... Don't act so surprised, Your Highness. You weren't on any mercy mission this time. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away! And she is standing there ready to confront him. And he could have pulled out a lightsaber and destroyed her in a second flat. And she knows that. And, I mean, she was absolutely fearless. Yep. And I think it really drove home the power of a strong woman. And I knew that because I was raised by one. Uh, but throughout the movie, I mean, I, I remember just being enchanted by that. And, you know, I mean, she owned Han Solo. And, I mean, <laughs> his, like, just ridiculous, naive attempts to woo her. Yeah. And, you know, she just owned that relationship. I don't know who you are or where you came from. But from now on, you do as I tell you, okay? Look, your worshipfulness, let's get one thing straight. I take orders from just one person, me. So one day you're still alive. I remember being devastated when in Jedi, in Return of the Jedi, when she was sort of enslaved by Jabba the Hutt and, and made to wear that bikini because, mm. you know, I mean, I know it's been a much debated scene from that yeah, movie, yeah. but it was it was painful to me because yeah. it was... It was like it, the ultimate debasement of her. It was, and I think yeah. I was, I, I don't know, I mean, I was, I can't remember when Jedi came out, but I was like teenager probably, and... I didn't know the word objectification, yeah. um, and I didn't know you were like, words like demeaning, but I was like, that's wrong. Yeah. This is a strong woman who is now, and it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Han Solo was frozen, and yeah. that didn't bother me. But to see Leia <laughs> like that, like that was, that was, that was really, it. really, really painful. Oh, David, so enlightened you are. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> well, you're married to a very strong woman. I am. Yourself. And you- co- A lot stronger than I am. <laughs> and you know it, and that's- her power. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you co-own this amazing bar restaurant with her, Compass Rose. She owns it. We should be very clear. She owns yes. it. Okay, I, you just, I'm probably involved, but yeah. She's <laughs> the owner and the boss. She's the, the, the owner. Yeah. She's the owner yeah. and the boss. Um, I was trying to bring you in there, yeah, but okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Throw me a bone. Um, and I know that there's a very famous bar scene yeah. in Star Wars. Love it. That is my favorite scene by is far. It? Oh, my God. Do you because hear the music sometimes? I when, do. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you automatically hear that music. And how can you not picture all the creatures that are in that bar and how weird they look? There's one dude who I've never known what he is, but he's, like, doing something to, like, something that sticks out of his mouth. Yep. I mean, it's just for, like, disgusting. It's everyone disgusting, is, like, everyone seconds. is different and weird and wonderful. And they're just chilling there and drinking. And I just wanted to show that that's my favorite scene and wondered what your favorite scenes are. That was that was my favorite scene. Yeah. And. And I have loved bars ever since then. Because <laughs> of the weird characters that hang the, out? Because of the weird characters. And a bar is a really special place. You yeah. walk in and you feel uncomfortable. You feel a little out of place vulnerable. in the very beginning, really vulnerable, as we saw with Luke. I mean, yeah. he, he almost got killed and he needed Obi-Wan Just to save him. Just because they didn't like what he looked like. Just because they didn't like what he looked like, <laughs> which was great, wasn't it? Because yeah. he's probably, like, objectively the best-looking person <laughs> in that bar with a bunch of weird-looking aliens, and he's the one who is different. Exactly. And that was not we lost don't like on me your either. Face. Which, right, exactly, which is kind of beautiful. Um but a bar, like the whole relationship with a bar is is how quickly does that discomfort go away? Mm. How quickly can you, you know, make a connection and begin yeah. to feel comfortable? And that's the whole narrative and cool thing mm. about a bar. It's a place that's always open or yeah. almost always open. And it's almost a friend. 
And we're going to meet wacky characters yeah. who are completely different. You're going to be exposed to people or aliens who you would never come in contact exactly. with uh, elsewhere. Yeah, it's kind of like an equalizer. I mean, I know there are classy bars and dive bars, but I feel like it's a place where you meet all kinds of people, different backgrounds, some people with money, some people with no money. Everyone's there just to be with someone else. It's kind of that idea of being alone together. Absolutely, 100%. There, yeah. there was a place in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in Harvard Square, where I, I would go often during college, um, called The Tasty. And it was just one of those greasy spoon <laughs> cheeseburger joints where they had cheeseburgers 24 hours a day that oh, were delicious. And you could go there. There could be someone who was homeless and was trying to find just a place to stay warm and get mm. a cup of coffee. There could be a hipster. There could be a poet. There could be a college professor. There could be someone who had gotten back from a Red Sox game and was just wasted. And it was just this collection of, yeah. I mean, people from all walks of life. I remember whenever I went in there, I was always reminded of the Star Wars scene because it was exactly <laughs> like that, you know, at a human level. But it was, it was exactly like that. He doesn't like you. I'm sorry. I don't like you either. You just watch yourself. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. I'll be careful. You'll be dead! This little one's not worth the effort. Come, let me get you something. So, you know, every once in a while I meet a person who actually has never seen Star Wars. Any film obviously knows about the universe. It's, it's enough of a pop culture necessity. When you meet someone like that, how do you how do you talk about the film? How do you talk about the series, what it is, and try to convince them to watch it, that it's worth their while? What do you say to them? I say it is like the first time you see it, it is just pure, simple joy. Um, it's, it is a journey. It's like exploring the unknown. It's good. It's evil. It's a story about heroes. Uh, you just can't not have fun on this adventure. Um, before we talked, I was going back and I was reading Roger Ebert's original review from 1977. Oh and it said there's so few films where literally he is taken out of his regular life and brought into a world and he stays there through an entire movie. And that's exactly it. I mean, I, you just never look away because these characters, and I've never totally understood because, I mean, the acting is not... Great. I mean, Let's it's oversimplified. It's, really not, it's really not that great. The so dialogue's not the great. The dialogue's terrible, and you're not going into this for like you know high level movie no. experience. Don't dissect the dialogue, and and I. But it's the it's adventure. Just an experience. Yeah. It's the adventure, and and then I think you know the fifth or eighth or twentieth time you see it, if you're going to do that and be nuts like me, you start to actually see these these values. Yeah. Um, the and, Buddhism and these in questions it. about life. The Buddhism. <laughs> uh, the as we said, the nuance of yeah. of good versus evil the world being much more nuanced than we think. I've also, there's been a Wizard of Oz comparison, and oh, I wow. never really thought about that. Uh, but there's but, no you know, place like home. Yeah, no place like home. You know, C-3PO is the Tin Man, and Chewbacca oh. as the Lion, and kind of the the journey, you know, to go to this place, and you don't necessarily know what to expect. Hold on, and, what does that make Han Solo? I don't, that's a good question. We don't have to dig that deeply to it. <laughs> But think about well, Darth Vader. Think about yeah. think about Darth Vader. Oh. I mean, evil an evil face with, you know, someone who is vulnerable and innocent yeah. deep on the inside. That's some Wizard of Oz stuff right there. 
You're blowing my mind right now. I I've know. never heard this before. I know. It's a thing. Wow. And I never thought of that. But if I, I guess I guess for someone who's never seen the movie, I would ask, did you like The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. Were you brought into that? And if you were taken by The Wizard of Oz, like, get the movie. Oh, I love that. Thank you for talking to me about this. Oh, are you kidding? I, really I would spend it. every day of my Yay, week with you. Yay, Star Wars. It's been fun. Go oh, Star thank Wars. thank you. David Green is co-host of NPR's Morning Edition and Up First, and is known for karaoke, pulling all-nighters in bars, and crying during nearly every movie, especially on planes. In a former life, he was a foreign correspondent, driven by that sense of wanderlust and adventure we talked about in this interview, and which you'll find in his charming book, Midnight in Siberia, A Train Journey into the Heart of Russia. Next time, we're going to be talking about the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas, so you've got two weeks to check it out before our conversation. You can find it streaming on Netflix, Amazon Video, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Vudu. This Movie Changed Me is produced by Maya Terrell, Chris Hegel, Marie Sambalay, and Tony Liu, and is an On Being Studios production. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling friendly, leave us a review. I'm Lily Percy. It's cold outside. Go see a movie. 